for joining me for the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. Hi, today we're talking food, politics, and school with Maria Solanke, who is running for school board in a district in Florida. So let's jump right in. Maria Solanke, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. You're shaking things up in Florida. Yeah. Yes, I am running for Pinellas County School Board in St. Pete. Cool. So people listening to this podcast who have not read any of the introductory material are going to be like, wait, why is he talking to, to an educator running for school board on the Plant Yourself podcast? So maybe we should get that out of the way first. What's what's one? I know you have I've, I've read a lot of your website and your material and interviews, and I know there's a whole host of uh, of topics that you feel should be improved in our educational system. But what, one in particular is why, you know, you came to my attention. So what, what is that? Yeah, well, I believe we need to look at the child holistically. And if we are not focusing on the food we give them for breakfast, lunch, and snack, we are just doing a junky job <laughs> and we are not looking at that kid correctly. So that that is a huge focus. I will be advocating for healthier meals throughout the week and meatless Mondays as well. Mm. So when you say healthier meals, what does that mean? I would be advocating to get rid of the soda pops, the chocolate milk. Um, you know, by law, they have to serve, not by law, by reimbursement from USDA, they have to serve cow's milk, but they should at least remove the chocolate milk because it's just loaded with sugar. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of the ketchups, the fried foods, the um, don't make French fries, you know, the, the standard. Don't make pizza the vegetable because it has tomatoes on it, which are a fruit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, healthier foods overall because schools should be a place of excellency. Um, and trust me, we, I eat junk food at home. I don't claim to be this 100% healthy person. But again, schools need to be a place of excellency. And when there are just constant birthday parties and cafeteria food loaded with oil, processed food, we're just setting kids up for disaster. Mm. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, and we'll get we'll get into your story because it's this is this is a a recent sort of twist and turn in in your educational advocacy, but what you know, as you you're a, you're a public figure, you're asking people in your community to support you. What do you hear from parents? Um, you know, I'm sure there's a gamut, but what what are some of the things you hear from parents when you say, "Hey, we need to clean up our kids' foods to make them more successful"? I have not heard one negative thing from a parent. Now, from other community members who don't have kids or who are um, grandparents, very few people have gotten to, back to me and made, you know, a comment acting like I'm, um, you know, forcing choices or taking away choices and forcing other choices. But from the parents, I have not heard one negative thing from parents. They are like, yes, change this food. Tater tots and ketchup need to go. I mean, parents know their kids will eat a hot dog, mac and cheese, peanut butter and jelly. And that's basically the list. That's why kid menus at restaurants have those items. The parent, And I think a lot of parents know that if their child sees, I mean, it's the peer pressure, um, but if the child sees everyone else eating healthy, they're more inclined to eat healthy. And I know for my daughter, like for her snack, we just pack fruit. That is like the go-to. She now has convinced me that on Friday she can get like a cliff bar, which a lot or some type, you know, like, so sometimes we make them at home and sometimes it's like a packaged one. But the kids in her school will have these gummy snacks all the time that say like real fruit, like just give the kid real fruit. Yeah. Um, and, and so a lot of parents are frustrated. They're just like, they don't want to be the annoying parent that's like, no, you can't eat the Oreos. No, you can't have the ketchup. Um, and it's kind of just, it, it's better for everyone because sometimes we just do it out of guilt. We don't want our kid to be the only one. But if everyone was eating healthier, it would just encourage kids to eat healthier. They see what's going on. So the parents are like 
all for it. I mean, I have parents that come up to me that are healthy to ones that are morbidly obese and they know their struggles that they went through and they don't want to see this continue on with their kids, but it just gets difficult competing with everyone else. Hmm. I'm suddenly remembering one of my like not greatest moments of parenting. <laughs> um, we, we, we lived in a, um, it wasn't a cul-de-sac, but it was a sort of a, a street separate, you know, in Ewing, New Jersey, separated from sort of main streets. So it was its own little neighborhood. And then on, on summer afternoons, the ice cream truck would come by and we were vegan and feeding our kids healthy. And my kids would always come running, begging, crying that they they want all the other kids were going to get the ice cream. So I remember like running out into the street and like yelling at this poor kid driving the ice cream truck. Ba basically, like, like he's taking away my parental rights by imposing this stuff on me. And like it was, you know, it was not a great sort of emotional control moment. And I'm, I'm feeling, you know, a fair amount of shame as I recount it. But I do remember the, the you know, like there was a righteous anger, like, don't make me be the bad guy with my kids when I'm doing everything I can at home to to support their healthy uh, growth. And the peer pressure is turning is turning me against them. Yeah, that and and that happens all the time. And look, look, I, I do. I mean, I've had benefits from changing my diet. Um, I do realize we're all going to die, but again, it's just you know when I lived in India, and I don't know if we'll, we'll get into this at all. But when I lived in India, I, and I volunteered at the orphanages, I um would do dinners for them, so just the regular evening dinners and. I remember the one time I wanted to do a like somewhat special celebration and I wasn't allowed to bring ice cream because it was during like their exam times. And I was just like, yeah, that seems so strict. They can't just have like a scoop of ice cream. But now looking back on it, I think, you know, that mindset is so good because I see people in my own family that they just have this whole pantry full of garbage. They will allow kids to eat like sugar by the spoon. Uh, I mean, it, it's so unfair to, we think about giving our kids the right tools and resources so they can, you know, do good in math, do good in reading. But how do we not comprehend this idea that we need to provide them proper food and nutrition so they don't get sick. So they aren't um, diabetic. So when they graduate, they don't have high cholesterol and blood pressure and all the, these other things that come into life. Like it, there's too much of a disconnect and we really need to connect the kids holistically. Mm -hmm. And this is such an important part because so many kids have their breakfast, their snack, their lunch, and even take-home food in many schools for the weekend to hold them over. Hmm. But it's not just like a blind spot around kids, though, right? It's <laughs> like I, co I coach adults um, and, you know, I coach people around health and nutrition and they have an understanding, but I also coach people in the business world who are highly intelligent, very successful people, and they don't consider what they eat to be relevant to their performance. But again, if we have not taught that from a young age, if we haven't created this environment from a young age, then why would we expect so much differently when they get older, right? It's just like, you know, I say to people, well, meatless, I, I actually not the biggest fan of the term meatless Monday because it almost, it sounds negative because less is a negative, mm. you know, word. Um, it's this is like an opportunity Monday where we bring in different beans, kidney beans, black beans, chickpeas, lentils, red lentils, pink lentils, yellow lentils, yeah, all these other opportunities that in the US many families do not eat. I mean, even adults that will not eat these um legumes, but in other countries, it's part of their daily staple. Mm. So if we're not training ourselves to eat this at a young age, it's just I mean, I have, I make like a homemade Nutella with just dates and hazelnuts that I find absolutely delicious. My daughter is like, 
gobbling it up. I'll give it to her yeah. friends, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they no, we they're gagging on it, they're gagging on it, you know, because they're they're not used to it. They're used to these processed foods, and they're changing their their taste and their molecular development to not even accept anything like that. I mean, I know when I first had kale and orange juice, it wasn't like the best. And now I'm like, oh man, I crave kale and orange juice yeah. like all the time. Right, right. Yeah, it's just not the same without that that added flavor of palm oil and slavery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, processed sugars, yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you so the parents that you're talking to are supportive of this idea of like Let's let's stop, you know, poisoning essentially our kids. And, and but do they, do they have like what's their level of understanding about the connection between the, what we eat and you know both the kids' performance and mood in the day, but also the trajectory of of their their health going forward? Is there some sophistication there, or are people like surprised when you talk? Uh, well. You know, we haven't gotten into such in-depth conversations with everyone. It's more of, you know, I hand my palm card. We're at the parks. We're walking around the farmer's market. And they're like, oh, yes, yes, I love this. So um, I get, you know, so it's hard to say what their understanding is. Um, Few messages that there are those parents that do get it, that do understand that, you know, one out of every three people diagnosed with diabetes is a child. Um, there, you know, the fact that 20% of kids in Florida are obese and it goes up for minority families. So I, I don't know how much of the science they know because you, you, you talk to so many people throughout the day, all day long, I'm talking to people. But we do constantly post things. So we're posting... You know, Forks Over Knives was posted on my campaign page. Um, Game Changers was posted. Cowspiracy, I believe, was posted. So we're, we're putting out information from PCRM, nutritionfacts.org. Um, all these things are, are going out there. So I believe they're, you know, receiving the information, but to where, what extent they're at, but you can tell they're hungry for, this, you know, they're, they're hungry for the knowledge. They want better for their kids. So there, there is some understanding. Um, because when I hand that palm card, there's, you know, three points on there and they see that second point and they're like, Oh yes, definitely for this nutrition. Yes. Mm. What are the other two points? School choice, um, promoting private, traditional public, um, charter, homeschooling, and then community involvement. So getting them involved with businesses, internships, um, after school programs with different organizations. Uh Gotcha. Um, So who who's opposing your candidacy? And how are they um, going about it? Well, even if you're talking about the nutrition, no one is necessarily opposing it opposing it they just don't think it should be a focus so i haven't gotten any opposition directly to that it's just they don't understand the value of having it as a focus uh-huh. um, so it'd be like like there was <laughs> right like 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 you have some trivial issue like we should wear green shirts at gym instead of red shirts right Right. Like there's this one organization here and I've been reaching out to them for five years. Um, Coqueb, I believe is the name. Uh, but, you know, they focus on bridging the gap between minority students. And I've, I've been telling them, look, 70% of African-American Asians are lactose intolerant. And they are forced to, well, okay, they're not forced to drink it. It is mandated that cow's milk be offered to them so they don't have to drink it, right? Um, and I was like, you know, we need to look at this meal program. It's not just that carton of milk, but it's the cheese that gets put onto the meal. It's the yogurt. It's uh, There's so many aspects of it. And if we're constantly literally giving them poison, um, how do we expect them to perform well? Because then they have upset stomach and diarrhea and they're irritable and they may not be able to sit still. There's so many other factors that come into play. I know when I was on antibiotics, I felt like 
I was high. I was so drugged up. And this was, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, but I just, you know, can't understand why people don't see this connection between meal and mental focus and performance. Um, and, and so the, the leader of this organization said, it's just not a priority where they have other priorities mm-hmm. to focus on. Uh, and when one of the other people that was in that, I brought it up to him and I found out last year, or the year before that the other guy actually became plant-based. Huh. Um, but he still doesn't, they still don't see this as a priority to take it to the community. And so many times, like, you know, there, there was this other foundation. It's called the Foundation for Healthy St. Pete. I went to their annual meeting probably four or five years ago and they just kept saying, how are they going to bridge the, they wanted health equity, health equity for the black people, for the minorities. Uh, why are more black people at risk for diabetes, cholesterol, heart disease? And they kept saying like the black people, the black people, the black people. Whole cafe, the breakfast buffet had donuts, croissants, and like fake processed juice. Okay. The lunch meal was this wrap filled with chicken, mayo, and cheese with potato chips and chocolate chip cookies. And I wrote to them. I'm like, look, I will provide you doctors. You want different melanin doctors? I will give you those doctors. I'll give you, I will organize the doctors to come and speak. But that meal that you provided was not healthy. Okay. And there's no reason. So I call BS right there. I call BS that you guys actually care about minority health because this is not hard. This is not expensive, but we need to promote proper nutrition. And I get that, like I said, you know, they could have a party, but when your foundation is called a foundation for a healthy St. Pete, and you are trying to have health equity for minorities that suffer from diabetes and cholesterol and obesity at a higher rate. You should not be having chocolate chip cookies and chicken wraps with potato chips and mayonnaise and cheese. Okay, get get a quinoa salad there that could be so delicious, full of flavors. Get fresh fruit. Don't have donuts. I mean that that to me is just total BS. Um, and so yeah, I'm gonna be whistleblowing a lot of people that. May not want to hear the message, but I'm here for the community. And mm-hmm. the message has got to get out there. This has to be a priority. Yeah. So as I hear you say that, there's a part of me that feels really uncomfortable. As I think about how that message is received, it, it, it feels like, like scolding from someone who's not in their community. I'm wondering what their response was. Well, okay. First of all, uh, the foundation for a healthy St. Pete doesn't necessarily mean everyone has high melanin levels, right? <laughs> there are Caucasian, there are black people there. So actually the people I was, I was speaking to on all these times happen to be um, Caucasian people. Um, but when I go into the community, like I have a lot of great people helping on the campaign that are uh, black, they're African-Americans. I, I tend to not say African-American just because I have so many Haitian and Jamaican friends and they're like, I am not African-American, I am black. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, all right. Um, so I have people working on this campaign. The, the wonderful girl that set up, I shouldn't call her girl, the wonderful lady that set up this interview, you know, she is all about nutrition and the black community is the, one of the largest growing plant-based community people to join the plant-based. So when I talk to the parents, they absolutely want it. It, I feel like it's this upper level that is trying to block the information, almost like they're, they're saying, oh, no, no, we know more and we can't, they're not ready to listen. They're not ready to take this information on. And I'm like, well, why are you going plant-based? Why, why do you understand the importance of being plant-based, but you feel that these parents can't understand it? I'm not like that. I, 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 you know, we, I come, my family's an interracial family. Um, so I don't judge people based on melanin level, whether they can take on information to make them healthy. All right. They, people can understand this information and I'm not going to belittle someone by saying they can't understand this information. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the other, the other thing I'm thinking about is thinking about the um, black activists in that plant-based and vegan community. One of the things I've learned from them is 
around cultural appropriateness of food, right? So like a quinoa salad sounds great to me, right? I mean, I, you know, 20 years ago, I didn't know what quinoa was. I couldn't pronounce it. You know, quinoa, what the hell is that? Uh, right. But, you know. Absolutely. But if you look at food from around the world, that's fine. I mean, I the quinoa salad is like one of my best recipes. So I, I say it and I started only making that like last year. Okay. But that's fine. I mean, there is so much food. Ray Soul Vegan here in St. Pete, he makes a lot of great food. I mean, like I said, my family's interracial, so we use food from all over the world. Um, and if you look at food originally from Africa, there is so much plant-based food. There there absolutely is. So that's fine. But are, is this food in school more culturally sensitive or something? You know, it's, it's just terrible. I'm just saying let's make that food healthier. Okay, so even if you want to keep the kind of, uh, you know, you're st still serving a burger. Well, can we have a healthier burger? Can we have a bean burger that tastes just as great? You know, uh, so I'm not there. You know this. I mean, there are so many options out there. So let's have those options. We just did a festival last month and we did it in a um, predominantly black community. I would say half the people that attended were black, half were white. And of course there were Asians. There's, um, but 1,500 people attended. We provided food for 1,000 people. They loved the food. They absolutely loved the food. And I think the food was American and Vietnamese mainly. We had a lot of great Vietnamese volunteers there that stepped up and promoted it. But they love Good food is good food. All right? So people will enjoy it for sure. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, so you know, from your – uh, reading about your journey to this point, the the thing you were involved in, I guess, in 2019 was trying to start a charter school, right? And you uh, you hit a lot of roadblocks there. Yeah, so we were opening up the first plant based public school, and this application is not a simple application. It's like 22 sections ranging from curriculum writing to finance. Um, you know, one year projections, three year projections to food to security. Um, so it was about a 500 page application and I worked on it with several other people. Um, and it was denied. So some of the reasons were valid, but some of the reasons were they just weren't open to school choice and the milk law reimbursement. You're not allowed to discriminate against the drinking of cow's milk before school, after school, on school grounds or at any school sponsored event. Um, and because we wanted to keep it plant based, they said, um, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to fund the meal program, which then put us in a negative situation for our budget, which then, you know, caused us to not get approved. One of the reasons we weren't approved. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, one thing we were working on. And I tried meeting with every school board member. I would email them. I would call. They refused to meet. We had, you know, well over 100 people. Uh, right in because it was during COVID. So they weren't having in-person school board meetings and they just refused to meet with us. And then I said, now you're going to lose your seat and I'm going to take that seat and we're going to do what we got to do to make some healthy changes. Mm. So we, the, the, the hang up over the milk was, is this like a state law or a federal law? So so US, USDA. So it's not a law. It's it's the National School Lunch Program reimbursement policy. So technically, if you didn't want to take that reimbursement for this meal program, you could find funding yourself. But as you know, we're already like on tight budgets in schools for programs. So it would be very difficult to take money away from one program to purchase plant-based milk because you didn't want to take the reimbursement. Uh huh. So and and so they said was we will reimburse you as long as you offer cows dairy beverages to to all the students, and that was and that's that was a deal breaker for you. That was written in the 
Um, well, so it's not even just offering the cow's milk. Like, I mean, they will, you have to offer it first before you offer water. Um, you can't discriminate against the drinking of cow's milk. So we asked them, does telling the truth about the nutrition negative effects of cow's milk constitute as discriminate? And they said, yes. So, um, you know, I suffered from arthritis my whole life until eight years ago when I went fully plant-based. And I mean, from the time I was two years old until the time I was nearly 30, I had arthritis throughout my entire body. So for me, it's like an injustice not to tell other people about this, um, the, the truth about dairy. Mm-hmm. That that was a deal breaker for them. And, and I guess it really highlights the, the, the dual roles of the USDA. We think about the USDA as kind of ensuring food quality, but they're, they're actually mandated, federally mandated to promote the, the sale and consumption of U.S. agricultural products, including meat and dairy. Well, they, they, they are not mandated. They create that mandate. So USDA could absolutely change that policy um, to, you know, pay for plant-based milks as well. Um, but they continue to mandate the cow milk and not subsidize the cost of the plant-based milk. Uh-huh. And it's, it seems like, you know, the uh, – I'm, I'm blanking. Is, is, is Vilsack the head of the FDA, uh, USDA right now, Tom Vilsack? So, but you know, whoever whoever the president is, whether I strongly agree with their general views or strongly disagree with their general views, they always pick someone who supports animal agriculture, which really kind of pisses me off. Like, yeah, I didn't, and it's funny because there's been so much talk about pharmaceutical companies in the last two years with vaccine mandates and whatnot. And and a lot of anger going on, but the largest consumer of pharmaceuticals is the animal agriculture industry. So then it goes right into the animal, which goes right into our bodies. And and we can get into a whole line of issues that are created from this. And that's why I'm like, you know, whistleblower moment here is Mm -hmm. getting everyone aware of it's, it's not one thing. There is such a trickle effect and it's, then, then we so we get these kids obese and diabetic and and sick and now the, there's great more medicine for the pharmaceuticals to sell and um, you know more things for people to pay for uh, taxpayers to pay for it's just it is a vicious cycle that they've gotten this whole country fooled there there are very few people that understand how important this is at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something else that occurs to me is that you're you're doing this in Florida. And so we're talking about education in Florida and education in Florida has been in the news, <laughs> like the top of the news around, you know, um, cr- uh, alleged critical race theory and math textbooks. And so I'm, I'm struck by like your three uh, bullet points of your campaign are are like messing with my head a little bit. You know, they, like there's extremely what I would consider progressive views that are that are sort of aligned with with the left, aligned with uh, racial equity and justice. And there's also you know school choice has been a very right wing issue in terms in terms of well let's take you know let's right uh, like let's defund public schools so that. We can teach whatever we want. Well, not, no, not whatever we want. Not defund public well, schools. That's not what school. Well, but that's in in a sense that's that's then the argument from the left that it's an attempt to undermine the public education system. So I'm curious how you straddle. Like there must be people mad at you from every stripe. <laughs> I know, son. My friend Keisha King, or well, acquaintance. Um, she said, "You know, you're on to something good when you got the Democrats and Republicans mad at you." <laughs> It's true. It, you, I, you've totally hit that one on the head. Um, but at the same time, I also have support from both sides. So there is, 
the slow to warm up from both sides. And then there's people who are just like truth seekers. And, and that's what I say all the time. I am a truth seeker. If it is a Democrat issue, if it is a Republican issue, I just want the right issue. That's it. You know, I want what is best for kids. And it is what it is. You know, that's it. I can't, I can't change to, I, I'm not loyal to any party. I'm loyal to you know, my beliefs and and then I have to do what is best for the children. Mm -hmm. Well, that that already makes you an outlier because, what you know, what I've seen over the past two years, I mean, just reading about, you know, two days ago when the mask mandate was repealed and the pilots came on airplanes in the middle of flights and said, you, we don't have to wear your masks anymore. Like half of the people on the plane took off their masks and and the and the mask wearing was entirely along political lines, as if there's no scientific basis to make a decision. It was just what team are you on? And it must it must be hard to say this isn't about my team. This is about my my beliefs and the the sources that I choose to give credence to, as opposed to, you know, I don't I don't want to offend my team by by taking a step out of line. Yeah, I see everyone says I'm so brave. I don't I don't feel that way at all. I'm just so tired of like nonsense. I'm so tired of like beating around the bush. Like I've been knocked down so many times that this is not hard for me to stand with what I know is right. Um yeah, I mean there I'm definitely the outlier. My brother-in-law always says, "Ain't no one putting you in a box anytime soon." <laughs> It's true. I mean, I just we have to say what is right for the kids. Um, Do you find that when you start by taking that kind of stance that other people kind of wake up from from their from their conformity? Absolutely. And, you know, I want to mention I run nonpartisan. So um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I first went plant based uh, 18 over 18 years ago. And what was in the grocery store 18 years ago, like you had one option of a plant-based soy milk that was like $8, $9. And now you have so many options there. And, you know, I lived in Italy. I lived in India. So I've been able to see um, plant-based nutrition across the globe uh, and the options that have come out. And, and just talking to people, you know, I come from a family of hunters and butchers and they will continue, you know, to do that. But just seeing small changes on what they eat and reading ingredients and making sure that they're organic. And um, yeah, I, I definitely have seen the changes. You've seen the changes in restaurants, even mainstream. Now, I mean, I know the mainstream places serve garbage, what I, you know, don't really advocate for but just seeing that mindset already start changing absolutely when i start talking to people they they are getting it i i get text messages from people literally around the world and it'll be like a picture of their shopping cart and it has more fruits and vegetables like i i, I attribute this to you um but when they're in person with me they'll make comments like all right stop talking about that now maria okay stop stop but then these little seeds continue on and they are making the changes for sure so let's say you win so let's say you win uh, in August. I will. And now you're on the Yes, you, I will win. Now in you're August. on the school board and you can and you have enough um support and collaboration to start making changes. What what does it actually look like? And and I'm, I want to frame the question by saying that I I think about like there was this documentary with Jamie Oliver. You know what I'm talking about? He, the British, the British oh, chef yeah. who went to some American school yeah, yeah, yeah. and was like, yep. "You people eat crap. Right. I'm going to show you how to do it right." Right, right. And, <laughs> and they got really mad at him. And he, yes, he ended up pissing everybody off, empowering no one, and just walking away feeling superior and wounded. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, what what's your approach to actually succeeding as opposed to just being righteous? Right. Great. That is an excellent question. Um, one thing I cannot wait to do is have after school programs with families. So remember, you started off by asking me what have parents said about this? I've gotten not a single negative pushback from a parent at this point. Now, granted, may, how many thousands of parents have I spoken to and how many tens of thousands do I have left to speak to? Um, but having after school programs 
for parents to you know have food tasting food demos um speak to it there's a school here that is a plant-based school up in tarpon springs and they transitioned to plant-based maybe three years ago um might be four years ago but you know when i first started talking to the owner i was like she was doing like once a week and it was by you know it was an option and then I connected her to a plant-based cardiologist, an endocrinologist, and then they took off on their own relationship to put the the these talks together for parents so parents do understand the information. They do understand why it's important. I don't I mean I I would say feel that it would be hard pressed to find a parent that was like, "No, I am against fruit. Don't you dare give my child fruit." That is a terrible idea. You know, so we, most of these things that we're, it's not radical. We're just saying like, get off the sugar, you know, give the kids the sugar at home. All right. My kid will still eat sugar. Okay. We buy the Ben and Jerry's plant-based sugar ice cream, um, give it at home, but just keeping this school as a place of excellency and, you know, working with these menus to make sure kids like it because you can't force kids to eat things they don't like. We can encourage and, you know, get things to change. But we have been talking to other schools that have made the transition, working with the menus. I've talked to the kids at the, um, Solid Rock, that plant-based school. I've, I've interviewed the kids. I spent, you know, a lot of time with them and they love the food. I mean, they'll have these great tacos and um, chili soup, shepherd's pie. There are so many options out there that quite honestly, like a lot of people don't even realize if they have it, they don't realize it. Like my neighbor, um, you know, hunts and fish and I'll bring him over food all the time and he likes it. He, you know, he, he sends me pictures that he took extra to work or he'll ask where I got something from. So it, a lot of times it's just the exposure because if you haven't been exposed to it, then you don't even realize how good it is and that you would like it. But, um, you know, my daughter's birthday parties every year, we do this giant spread. And again, a lot of hunters and butchers that will come and they're like, this is good. I can't believe these flavors. And I will do everything. We'll have like Indian and uh, Vietnamese and Italian and American and everyone just they can't believe it. They're going plate after plate after plate. So I don't, um, and, and with, with Jamie, he came in maybe with anger. Whereas for me, it's kind of like, I felt I could have lived a healthier life had I known this sooner. Um, so it's sharing the information. Of course, parents can always pack their own food. They can always pack whatever they want to. But I think having those after school programs and even during connecting them to doctors and nutritionists and athletes. It's really just, you know, getting the information out there and, and not looking down upon them. You know, I don't look down upon hunters or butchers. I was raised in that family. I know they are good people. You know, I want them to be successful. I just think we can be more strategic and smart at what we are feeding our children and how we are growing and, you know, harvesting food. Um, so I think coming with this humility um, and sharing like this good intention of sharing information, I think is key. So one of the things that, that Jamie Oliver encountered was resistance from the people who had to cook the food. Right. Like they, like this, they knew how to do the USDA thing. They knew how to order this stuff in bulk they had kitchens that were set up to sort of like mass defrosting these meals. And, you know, that he kind of came in and said, well, you know, you you guys are poisoning the kids. You need to do it better. And let me show you I'm the world's famous chef. And like, what do you what do you know or expect or anticipate around the the, the employees? I think met, met the food service people, many of whom are like are not treated well and not paid well and not respected. I've been reaching out to them for uh, several years. So my name is pretty well known probably there. Um, you know, they've actually done really great work. Um, again, I think from my spiritual practice, I, I always try to be humble and, and not come across as knowing everything. But when I've reached out to Ms. Geist there, like she, she – 
actually, I think it was someone else, Gerard, that was beforehand. Maybe I shouldn't even say the names. But they they have made a whole other menu that is great. I mean, I've had doctors from PCRM look at their meal program. Their other menu that technically should be offered to all schools, but they haven't advertised it, right? So it's a it's a great healthier menu. So if kids request it, it could become available. That menu is beautiful. Um, what I've heard, so I've also collected like hundreds of signatures from parents um, asking for these healthier meal options. I, I forgot to mention that, but I, you know, I emailed them. I would go to school board meetings asking for healthier options and I would talk to them on the phone at food service. I would talk to the, um, email the superintendent. So this is not like Jamie Oliver was not part of the community, was not involved in education and just went in and boom, boom, boom. Like I have been walking, talking, doing education in this community for, for these years, for several years and really work, trying to work together with everyone. So it's not like one day I just decided to run for school board. I tried that process to, to get, um, things growing. Well, I would love to say that Miss Geis said, you know, she agrees that um, plant-based food is more nutrient dense, but she wants to make sure parents are uh, okay with it. So it, it really does feel like if she has more parent support, she would be open to doing it. And she would be interested in doing it school by school and putting information out there to the families and parents, which, you know, I think is a great idea and something I want to be a part of, which, you know, I said, I'm like, please let me know. I would love to volunteer to help get this information out for parents. But uh, so to answer your question again, I do believe that the food service program is open for it. They just don't know if parents are open for it. I know that there's so many parents open for it. So it's just kind of like everyone's thinking something, someone's thinking something here and someone's thinking something there. We just need to connect it all together and put it as a priority. But I think people are 100% ready for this. I mean, ketchup is not a vegetable. It's not even like, you know, it's a fruit, but it's not even a fruit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one of the things I wonder about, and I, you know, I, I, I was an educator in a previous career, and I know that there are, there are parts of the educational uh, industry that care very much about results and evaluation. And they want to know, does this work? Does this method of teaching writing work better than that method of teaching writing? I also know there's huge swaths of the educational landscape that are dogmatic and don't care if something works as long as they're comfortable with it and it feels right. Like, you know, so the whole question about, you know, phonics versus whole language reading, like the debate was very, was largely about morality as opposed to efficacy. But I'm, I'm wondering, in your case, it seems like it's a no-brainer that if you change the way kids eat, they're going to perform better. They're going to get in trouble less. They're going to do better on tests. And I'm wondering if they're, first of all, if that's something that your community or Florida in general cares about. And if so, if there are researchers who are sort of you know, circling and, and, and like getting excited about the possibility of actually putting this to a test. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking with researchers for four or five years about this. If our, if the charter school was going to be approved, um, how would we take this forward? So at this point running for school board, I haven't, uh, cause I, I announced last month in March, um, I haven't spoken to them, but I mean, of course, there's that is going to come up eventually. There, whether we're talking about um, attendance, how many kids are now coming to school and not getting sick, um, whether we're talking about behavior disruptions. I mean, we've seen jails change their meal program and have better behavior inside of jails. Um, or if we're talking about test scores, um, which is another interesting thing because the testing will change next year. Um, there will still be some sort of testing. But so I think, yeah, there will, there will be a lot to look into. And um, it, it, I'm not sure how they'll, you know, conduct the study because once kids go home, they'll eat what they want. But I think, you know, having them in school now 
and kind of seeing where they're at, they sh- they should be able to get some results. But you know, I'm not totally sure when that will happen. Uh, but I I would assume that that would be huge gotcha. here. How many school board members are there? There's seven total and four up for election this uh-huh. year. Have you spoken to the the three who will definitely be ret- you know continuing? Do you know how, like their perspective on any of this? I've tried, but I've never gotten a response back from any of the uh-huh. three. So, so, so when you land your seat, you might be a bit of a, a wild card to them. Yeah, there is actually someone else running that is um, has a big focus on – well, in her personal life, she has a big focus on nutrition, not necessarily implementing that into education, uh-huh. but – Maybe she'll uh-huh. change. Is the voting system that like you're vo- you're running against another person, or is just everybody running? I'm running against one other uh-huh. person. Who's it? She's actually she's one of the people that is on school board right now. So I would be running uh-huh. against her. So she's got some sort of incumbency advantage, presumably. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Um, you you know you, you strike me as an extremely energetic person, so like you probably, you know go and you mentioned that you've met thousands of people. How else are you um, campaigning? Are you taking out ads or canvassing? What what are you doing? Yeah, we haven't done ads as of yet. Um, I have been door knocking, phone calling, volunteers. It's all been volunteers. We will have our first fundraiser at Lotus Vegan on May twelfth here in. Pinellas Park. Um, and then I actually have a decent amount of high school students that volunteer. So we are supposed to be canvassing tomorrow. Um, yeah. So the, and, and that's another thing, like talking to the students too, they want change in the meal program. In fact, that meal program I was telling you about that is healthier, that came about from the students. That was not even from the district themselves. There were students that were complaining that wanted more options. And that's how we got those nine other items, or it might be 11, um, that are healthier. So, yeah, I I canvas, I door knock, I go to parks, I go to, I speak at events. Um, we do these podcasts. So it's just everything, getting the word out there. We have people on social media that will post in different groups. Um it just it goes all day, all day, every mm. day. Yeah. So you mentioned before we started that you're legally blind. Can I ask you about that? Is that from, is that from birth? So when I was two years old, um, I uh, got sick, and then that developed into arthritis. I was paralyzed. I then had vision problems that cataracts when I was six and seven that were removed and then had other eye conditions, um, calcium bumps, cornea bumps, like all these other things. So I had five operations on my eyes before I was 17. And then <clears throat> when I was 19, I was rear ended and I lost a lot of vision at that point. And then <clears throat> when I was pregnant, um, I lost even more vision. Um, so yeah, kind of from birth, but staggered throughout. Mm. Uh, was there a point in your life in which that was like keep you know you seem like a person who's like unstoppable in terms of like what you want to do were there times in your life where the blind oh yeah I was when I was rare ended I had to take a medical leave from college and I was put on to steroids on Thursday by Saturday I was like suicidal I was I had extreme depression and that lasted, well, lasted the whole time I was on steroids. They told me I would gain weight, but they wouldn't tell me that depression was a side effect. Um, But that lasted for a long time. Um, Even afterwards, just, it was really bad when I was on all the medication, uh, which is why, you know, I feel really bad for people that are on so much medication. Um, So it wasn't until like I was probably 22 that I felt cured of my depression. Um, but yeah, that definitely slowed me down and you'll get moments every now and then where you're just frustrated because it's such a simple task to do. And yet, because you, you, you can't see it, it's like, uh, you know, if my phone screen goes 
super light um and you won't be able to like see it and you're like just finagling that or you know i have to take ubers everywhere so trying to find the uber to pick me up to drop me off and and because people look at me they don't see that i'm blind so there's you know a lot of rudeness that will come like a lot of times i'll have my cane a lot of times you know sometimes i have my cane sometimes i don't if i'm walking with someone i tend to hold their elbow or if i'm with my daughter i'll hold her hand So they can't see that I'm blind and then I'll ask them a question and like it's right there or they'll point and I'm like, are you pointing or are you reading something? Because I can't see you pointing over there. I'm blind. And, you know, they're apologetic, but there is definitely um, a lot of rudeness that goes on. I mean, like I, I prefer them to swipe my credit card at the grocery store. You know, everyone has the credit card thing there for you to do it. And I would just say, can you kindly do this? And they're like, why? Why don't you do it? I'm like, well, because I'm blind. <laughs> oh, I'm uh-huh. sorry. Yeah. So there, I get that all the time. But and I think that's also why, you know, you made the comment that Republican Democrat views that I have both. But I've been through so much that – Eh, that stuff's not that big of a mm. deal. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting, you know, I'm trying to put myself in, in your shoes for, for a moment to see, first of all, the rudeness or the assumption, like, if, you know, if I have to swipe your card for you or you're just like, you're, you know, stupid or lazy, if that's my explanation, if that's if that's my default explanation. And then when I discover that, oh, there's an actual physical reason, I'm apologetic that's, you know, like that's probably my worldview on everyone who isn't successful, right? Like, oh, those people who you know are disadvantaged, well, it's because they're lazy or stupid as opposed to any sort of structural impediments to, the, to their success. And I'm, I'm wondering if your experience tends to make, you know, yourself tends to make you more empathetic and understanding to others rather than so quick to judge the way you get judged. Partially, yes. So I find that I am very open minded because of that. I mean, I'm I'm open minded because, you know, my my story of, you know, being raised by a single father and losing my mother at four years old. So I understand that and, and being raised by an immigrant and then living on multiple continents, having an interracial family, being legally blind, um, promoting plant based. So I, I all these things have like developed me into a person. But and made me compassionate. But then also because I have this physical challenge, <clears throat> I think it allows me to promote people to do better and not be lazy and not constantly complain. I mean, my daughter said to me yesterday, like on Wednesday, the teacher switches up the d- desks where the kids eat lunch. And she's like, oh, I didn't get to sit with them today. That's not fair. And I was like, you know, no, 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 we don't say things are not fair. Okay. We accept things and we, some things we have to work for. Okay. But, but this mindset of constantly saying, woe is me, woe is me. Cause I've done the victim mentality. I felt sorry for myself. Um, you know, I, and it did not work out well. It was terrible. It was terrible. So we can have compassion, you know, for others, but Victim mentality is not good. And I mean, my family has faced discrimination. When I started dating my husband, my family um, wasn't for it. His family wasn't for it. So I faced that type of discrimination as well. Um, but I just, I, I, I appreciate all those challenges. Because if, if I didn't have those challenges, you know, if I just came from an easy, breezy life, then I wouldn't be able to make these moves that I am making. So I, I love those challenges and I try to get other people to see those challenges. I mean, like I said, I have a lot of high school students supporting me. So I sit down with them and I talk about things. I'm like, what, what are the things that you don't like? What are the things that bother you? And of course, some of the things are just, they're in high school, right? So <laughs> they're going to complain about that. And, and but, um, uh, and some of the things are good. So when they tell me these things that, are at a high school level mentality of complaining about, I have to, I can't just say, Oh, I agree with you. Let me, 
let me go talk to that teacher. I got to say, hey, buddy, like, we, we got to toughen up here and respect these teachers too, okay? You, you want the respect, you have to give the respect. It's not just the teachers respect you or, um, you know, what are you giving back? What assets are you contributing to society? And I think the fact that, you know, you'll hear these complaints sometimes and I'm just like, you're telling me these complaints, but... I've lived in India and I've seen the children who can't go to school because they have to sell flowers on the street to make a dollar a day. You're telling me these complaints that you can't get to someplace because you don't have money to buy a car. I'm blind. You can give me all the money in the world. I still can't drive that car. Not till, not till Elon Musk makes me a better car. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just challenging people to look beyond. We all have challenges. Okay, whether the challenge is um, racial discrimination or whether the challenge is uh, religious discrimination or a physical challenge, we all have challenges. So what do we do now? We don't say, woe is me. We say, whoa, let's go. <laughs> like, Let's go. Let's make that change. And I accept my challenges. I will work to make things better for not just me, but for other people. And, and so I think, you know, having this having my blindness definitely benefits me and, and hopefully benefits mm. others. So, so as we come to a close, you, you mentioned at the beginning that anyone in, in who's a U.S. citizen can help. So for people who are listening to this and they want to help, they don't just have to be in Pinellas County. They don't just have to be in Florida. What would you like people to do if they want to support your candidacy? Yes. Go to MariaForStudents.com. MariaForStudents.com. They can... Yeah, they can also write the word okay. for both work. But um, yeah, I can take donations right there. If people want to volunteer, phone banking or social media marketing, any of that is great. Um, you can be anywhere in the world as long as I believe green card holders can also volunteer. But U.S. citizens might be the only ones who can donate. Um, but donate, volunteer all of that. We just, we need to spread the word. Only 53,000 people voted last election for school board candidate. So we need people knowing that August 23rd is the date they need to come out and, and vote to, to get me elected. Okay. Maria Solanke, thank you so much for the advocacy, for the, the push to plant-based and healthy meals and for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you. This is such a great, you've covered so much in this interview. Thank right. you so much. Take care and good luck. All right, that's a wrap. Let's see, Garden News, we just got back yesterday from 12 days in the north, in northeast in New Jersey, in New York, and Pennsylvania. And so the garden's a wild, unruly, fecund mess that we're uh, seeing what's uh, been going on. There's been a lot of rain here in our absence, and the grass is growing so high in the yard that sometimes it's hard to see parts of the garden. But we're going to, um, you know, roll up our sleeves and uh, apply that elbow grease and get things rolling again. There are a fair amount of greens in the garden. Uh, last night we had some garden mustard greens and kale, so uh, they may be hidden a little bit by all the weeds, but they are there nonetheless. And in movement news, uh, my foot is healing nicely. I actually jogged for about a quarter of a mile uh, when I was in Princeton last week, and it felt okay. So I'm getting ready. I've been doing a lot of rehab exercises uh, around core stability rather than focusing on core, you know, um, spinal flexibility and stuff like that. So hopefully I'm making some good progress there as well. And we'll be ready to start running again in June and hopefully compete in Ultimate Nationals in Denver mid-July. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatterley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious Michelle, X Elsbeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franz, Jeanette Benham, Gila, Sarah, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, 
Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Bandana Chali, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Peter W. Evans, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Billbury Elf, Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi. Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, Sarah Johnson, Catherine Floyd, for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends. Mm-hmm.